1: mental illness in all its varying forms and degrees has become far more prevalent than many realize with approximately one in five adults diagnosed with mental illnesses each year there's no doubt brothers and sisters in christ within our own churches are desperately in need of understanding love and support our special guest today is no stranger to this very important topic. She's chosen to rejoice in the Lord through numerous valleys in life, including her husband's eye cancer and dementia and the tragic death of her son Jonathan. Among her many outstanding achievements, she's a former producer of Majesty Music Products, loving wife, devoted mother and grandmother, and author— Shelley Hamilton. Shelley, welcome to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures.
2: Thank you so much. It's great to be a part, and thank you for inviting me.
3: Shelley, first off, we want to not only congratulate you on your newly published book, Always Only Good, but also say thank you. Thank you for your honesty in sharing your story and for shedding light on this crucial subject. Tabitha and I have found your book to be insightful and hopeful that in Christ, there is true victory, even in the darkest times.
2: <laughs> Praise God, thank you.
3: What motivated you to write this book?
2: Probably the, the biggest motivation was my love for Jonathan, and I wanted others to see what it's like for someone who goes through a mental illness journey. And other motivations were wanting other people really to understand mental illness more so that they could better counsel it, you know, especially pastors, wives, pastors, and biblical counselors. And I wanted to let the outsider in so they could better support support those that have mental illness. And I think those are the I, I think sometimes mental illness is under, misunderstood, hmm. and I just wanted to uh, just give more understanding, definitely more understanding.
1: Well, schizophrenia is not an illness that we hear about every day. Could you describe it in a nutshell?
2: Yes. Well, the the main um, mental illness diseases, number one, would probably be bipolar which it's um, uh, flipping back and forth between mania and depression. And then um, schizophrenia is a thought disorder whereas bipolar is an emotional disorder. So schizophrenia affects your thoughts and you many times experience delusions um, which are seeing things that aren't there and hearing things that aren't there. You um, experience paranoia where it's just over the top anxiety. And oftentimes you have um, you hear voices that aren't there. Um, schizophrenia uh, does not have lifts to normalcy as bipolar does. Bipolar many times, you know, you'll go through the mania and then maybe crash into to a depression and then you'll have a lift to where you're almost ninety five percent back. But schizophrenia is constant; it uh, it has no lifts. So that's kind of basically, in a nutshell, how I can explain it. Right.
3: Would you tell us Jonathan's story?
2: Jonathan, when he was in high school, was he started um, having some rebellion towards God. Um, it wasn't that he didn't love God, but he he really um, was well he did some stealing and he was late to classes and then he he was a big jokester and, and sometimes he would joke where he really shouldn't have and so by the end of his sophomore year he was asked not to to come back to school because he had accrued so many demerits and we thought about homeschooling him but we ended up sending him to live with some missionaries in Russia who had, I think, seven, eight, nine children, and he lived there for three months, and then he went to Russia and lived with a family there for three months. And during that period of six months when he was away from home, he really grew in the Lord. He um, read his scripture a lot and just became a soul winner. And when he came back home, he uh, entered back into the academy at Bob Jones, and um, it was the second semester of his junior year. He was elected president of his senior class, and he went witnessing um, usually twice a week to our downtown area. And many times he would take a group of the academy kids with him. So he became very um, strong in his belief in God and serving him. And then um, after his freshman year in college, he was a counselor at the Wild Christian Camp, which he loved. But his sophomore year, he had trouble with acne. So I actually took him to a dermatologist who put him on antibiotic for acne called Bactrim. And he started experiencing what I now know as depression symptoms. He started saying he was nervous all the time and he stopped eating, he stopped being able to focus on his studies. He would just sit in the evening time at our homes, you know, staring at his books. And eventually um, I went back to, to our dermatologist with another child and I told the dermatologist about Jonathan, he said, it's the medicine, get him off of it immediately. And Jonathan had already been on it for about two, two to three months. And he, I said, how long till he comes back to himself? He said, probably two weeks, but Jonathan never did come back to himself. He kept getting worse and eventually went to uh, lying in bed all day and beating his head against the wall and mm-hmm. sometimes ripping his clothes into shreds and he just became very kind of comatose and hardly ate at all. So that lasted. Uh, we started taking him to a psychiatrist. We also brought spiritual counselors to the home. And we brought three different ones, and they all thought it was a spiritual problem. So I guess he convinced them that it was. But he was not getting any better and our family doctor finally said, I'm, I'm sure this is clinical depression, and sent us to a psychiatrist who we went to, I don't know, three, four years. And he tried so many different medicines, and Jonathan didn't improve. So he finally told us, this is the way your son's going to be the rest of his life. Hmm. And that was just very, very devastating. Um we started taking him to many other doctors as well, holistic doctors, a bipolar specialist at Johns Hopkins. We took him to we took him to a shock therapist, and he said, you know, your son is a candidate for shock therapy, but I would encourage you to keep trying medicines. So there was another disappointment, you know, and uh, finally... Uh, we were giving up hope. I mean, I kept, you know, we, Ron and I really thought in our minds, because Jonathan was so musically talented that he might some, you know, someday take over our Majesty Music Sacred Publishing Company. Mm-hmm. Um, and that became very apparent that this probably wasn't going to happen. And my prayer started being, Lord, just help him function so he can get out of bed and and work or, you know, just something. And we finally took him to another a psychiatrist, a Dr. Jeffrey Craddock, who we had come to love. He's a Christian man, and he didn't tell us at the time, but he felt like there was no hope either. But he he gave us hope, and he, he said, we're going to try to do the best we can, and sent us, we got an MRI, we took a bunch of, you know, Jonathan took a bunch of tests, and finally Dr. Craddock was able to find a combination of three medicines. Oh, it was after probably two mental hospital stays as well, but he found a combination of three medicines that Jonathan was able to work part-time, and become a a very valuable member of our family he did all the laundry he made supper every night for me and he was a joy he was a joy in our home he was able to start talking again um, and and function you know it wasn't like he was before but it was he could function and he was happy <laughs> he started working at majesty in the shipping department and then he um, I had to have a change of medicines, and then he he would go up and down. It was like a roller coaster ride. He even though he could function most of the time, if he started taking himself off the medicine, he would stop functioning. Mm-hmm. You know, and so then we just keep going back to the doctor. But um, he he really had a good last. Seven years of his life, mainly stable. (laughs) Even though it was up and down, I say mainly stable because it wasn't like anything like the first seven years. Um, He was able to, you know, work in our family unit. Um, The kids loved him. He loved his, you know, we have five children. He loved the other four children. And he um, started working at my sister's deli and uh, Gina said he was their best worker. He was a hard worker, even with his illness. Um, he made the chicken salad every day that everybody loved. He was very proud of that chicken salad. <laughs> and you know, someone who was so talented before um, and went witnessing, played the trombone, the piano, wrote songs, um, played the guitar, was an A student at school, was popular. And um, And then he couldn't do anything, you know, for seven years. And then now to be able to work at the deli and the people loved him that came in, he always had a smile for them. He had no idea of his depression and schizophrenia he he faced. That chicken salad became, you know, a hallmark of success for him. (laughs) And then um, the deli had to close for different uh, financial reasons. And so Jonathan, again, uh, tried to take his life. He, he did that about four different times through 15 years.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it was just, he heard that eating apple seeds, if he ate so many of them, it would be poisonous. And he did that. Um, so it's, I'm, I'm getting a little confused in all this 15 years of um, the illness when he suffered, but... He during those years he was working in the deli. He also sat down at the piano and wrote beautiful, beautiful music. He wrote, oh, I think probably 18 songs that we've now published with lyrics, and people are really drawn to his songs. The last one he wrote was called um, "You Are Always, You Are Always Good," and it it's kind of his testimony that even through hardship, God is good, and Chris Anderson wrote the words. But that music really has become a legacy for him and for our family, that that's something good God worked out of the illness. He uh, finally, the antipsychotic he was on, which with schizophrenia, you have to be on an antipsychotic. It it kind of stops the dopamine from from whatever it does to cause all these uh, delusional thoughts. And his name brand, um, the generic, started coming out, and so the insurance would not cover the name brand anymore, which was $1,000 a month. So we went on a search for a generic for about four months, and we couldn't find any that really helped him. Um That's kind of a long story. We did find one, but then they discontinued making it. So um, he was having severe akathisia, um, restless leg syndrome all over the body, which was very debilitating for him. And so he finally took himself off the medicine in order to try to get rid of the akathisia. And a month later, we thought, oh, he's not doing very well. Um, And on Mother's Day 2013, he actually had really spiraled downhill, and uh, he took his life on Mother's Day 2013, so about eight years ago. So that was kind of the end of the mental illness struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, he is well now in heaven, I have no doubt, that he trusted Christ into his heart. And um, he had the fruit, you know, exhibited, but the illness greatly compromised his ability um, spiritually during that illness.
1: Well, one of the things that we took away from reading your book was just how well Jonathan lived out his faith and served others, even through his limitations. That was really a challenge to us.
2: He was very unselfish. Like I said, he did our laundry. He made supper for me every night, but his medicines make him sleep about 12 to 14 hours a night. Mm -hmm. So by the time supper was over, he said, mom, you leave those dishes. I'll get them in the morning. Um, I have to go to bed now. I just, you know, I've got to go to sleep. And so in the morning, faithfully, he would do the dishes and he, he would try to go to church. Um, but the, um, he became very antisocial with um, panic attacks if he were around a lot of people. So he would drive many mornings to go to church and then just head back home. He'd sit in the car for a while and think, I can't go in and go back home. But he wrote these songs, and one of them was called Higher Ground. And he tried to write the words himself. Um, he just said, I want to live on higher ground near Jesus even through my my illness and um, he wanted to his desire was to still serve god he just was very limited in what he was able to do in comparison to before he got ill i don't i don't think god expected any more of him for him he, yes. he created john he knew in advance john would get ill and that's you know his what's his plan and he doesn't expect any more of us than what we can do.
1: Hmm. This is perfect and beautiful plan. I think there are so many things we can't see or understand here on this side of heaven but right. um, what a what a great day it's going to be when we're before the Lord and and we get the full picture of everything that he accomplished.
2: And especially for you, that he's accomplished because of what he's allowed you to go through. I was just going to say with Ron, um, my husband Ron lost his left eye to cancer in 1978 and started wearing a pirate patch, um, even though he did later get a prosthesis, a prosthetic eye. But um, because of that, God allowed him to become Patch the Pirate. Kids started calling him a pirate, and he started writing music for kids, and that just, there was such a need for it. We had no idea there was a need, but because of the pirate patch, we soon found out, and um, it was God working because of the trial. It's just another instance where God works because of a trial, and and not in spite of. <laughs> well, if you could
1: communicate a word of encouragement to those in our audience who are either special needs parents or spousal caregivers, what would you share?
2: God is in control of all things. And he loves your child more than you do. He wants to bring glory. um in, in spite of whatever your child is going through, um, he he has a plan, um, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And that's just not for the caregiver. That is for the caree, mm-hmm. the person who is suffering through the, through the trial. And, and God has the helicopter view. Uh, we only have the dashboard view, so we can only see what's directly in front of us, whereas God sees far ahead and knows what the plan he has for you is and it will be joyous and for all eternity what he accomplishes
4: Hmm.
2: so that's my encouragement to parents because if you do have a child with special needs or mental illness it's not going to be easy road I, I cannot lie to you that it is an easy road. It's it's a hard road. Um but when we suffer, we know we partake of his glory. And God chooses whom he allows to suffer. And each time we suffer a little more glory is sent up to heaven that we will enjoy for all eternity. And God has that helicopter view. He knows what how he's going to use whatever you're going through.
1: Very well said.
3: Shelley, the more we've come to realize how widespread and undiscussed the issue of mental illness is, the more we're convinced that the body of Christ can afford to ignore mental illness. Responding to suffering and responding in love is one of the greatest hallmarks of God's people. Yes. How can we, as the body of Christ, love and support families impacted by mental illness?
2: Well, it, it is a, a little more difficult to do than if you see somebody suffering with cancer. Um... You know you they say mental illness is the disease that doesn't get a casserole, right. Right. and it's just people are afraid of what to do, but um, and mental illness thereby is not often talked about. it is it is stigmatized. Um, and when you are the ones who live with mental illness or you have a loved one who lives with mental illness, a lot of times you don't talk about it, you're afraid. And I think the reason you're afraid is that you think you might get judged that you have a spiritual problem and you're just not trusting God. So that is another reason, um, you know, I wrote the book, is to try to destigmatize. And so if you see someone who or know about someone um that has mental illness, you really need to um, open up your arms and your heart to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Commit to continual prayer, support the caregivers with love and kindness. Um, Don't judge the person with mental illness. You have no idea what that person is facing. And hopefully if, if you read my book or read other stories about mental illness, you'll understand a little more that it is a physical, organic illness. Something's going wrong with with the brain. Don't talk behind their backs and 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 judge them, uh, but treat treat them like you would treat you know any other person. Right. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, by understanding, you will. They will not be afraid to talk about it. In fact, um, just a recent story. There's someone I talked to just, um, just a couple two days ago, and um, this person read my book, and then they came to me and said, "I just want to share with you. I struggle with what Jonathan struggled with." Mm-hmm. And he says, and he started talking about it to me and. Um, he said, "This is the first time I've ever told anyone."
4: Hmm.
2: And I thought that is terrible
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> that he had to suffer alone, and and knew some you know felt guilt that it was his fault. And I said, "It's not any more your fault to suffer with mental illness than it is my husband's fault that he has dementia. Something is going wrong with the brain." And the worst thing you can do is judge somebody who has mental illness. They already feel guilty, and now they're told it's their fault. And they can't fix it. Right. As much as they try to trust the Lord and pray, and then it's like, I guess I really am. I'm probably not even a Christian, Mm. (laughs) because God's not helping me. and. Someone who has mental illness needs to see a doctor, and I suggest a doctor that deals with mental illness all the time. And if you can find a good psychiatrist that understands and a good counselor that understands mental illness, not somebody who's, who doesn't, because mm-hmm. they will have no idea, really. They, they can read you scripture on not fearing, but if you have a panic disorder you know, all the scripture you can read may not take that panic away or take the depression away. You need some medicine that helps fix those brain chemicals. And then you, then you can, your mind can more easily accept counsel because your mind is starting to think again, think logically. Um, even though it's probably going to always be present, but at least you can start functioning a little bit and start thinking more logically on the right medicines. Anyway, that's my experience.
1: And That's good advice. When it comes to subjects like mental illness, I think it can be far too easy to focus on all the pain and the struggles and lose sight of God's goodness. Oh, yes. What would you say is the secret to not losing your faith through trials, like what you've been through with John and and now with your beloved husband living with dementia.
2: It's realizing um, in your heart that God is good. And I think the study, as I studied it, I mean, at first when Jonathan got ill, he Ron had dementia when, uh, well, no, let's see. Jonathan got mental illness when he was 18 and he was born in 1979. So how old was he? <laughs> About
4: 1997.
2: Okay. And Ron started getting mental illness in 2010. Okay. So um, when Jonathan first got mental illness, I, I really struggled with God. Is God good or not? I, I, cried myself to sleep. And I thought, God, you, you must have the wrong person. This person wants to serve you. And now he's flat on his back
4: mm-hmm.
2: and can't talk, can't do much of anything. And I I would cry myself to sleep. And um, I I had a neighbor who was a retired missionary to Haiti, And she started meeting with me every morning. She told me, God has told me to help get you through this trial. She lived across the street. And she would get up at 6 every morning or 5 and get something from God's Word for me. And I would go over at 6 and many times just cry. She kept a box of Kleenex on her coffee table and just would read Scripture to me and read Scripture to me. And I finally... I started just thinking, God, why are you good? I've always known it in my head, but I'm not feeling it in my heart and not feeling it that, it that you are good in my situation. I see you are good to other people, and I see you are good in Ron's situation because he became Patch the Pirate, but I don't understand it in my son Jonathan's situation because I couldn't see any good in it. And it finally, I don't know, the day it dawned on me, but it was reading Scripture and listening to Sarah, my neighbor, read Scripture to me, that it was like you know, a light bulb went off in my head. Like, okay, God, you made the world and everything in it to be good. I, I know that. But Satan, it, I don't know how, I mean, I knew all this, but it just it became personal mm-hmm. to me that Satan brought sin into the world through Adam and Eve and consequently bad things. Satan is the author of sin, sickness, sorrow, sadness, and death. Mm -hmm. Satan wants me to believe when bad things happen that it's because God is not good, but it is instead because Satan is evil. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: And it just was like, yes, bad things happen because Satan is evil. And the conviction grew and grew in my heart. That God is good. God wants the best for me. God is my friend and allows, or even decrees sometimes bad things into my life because he He wants to make me better. Satan allows bad things into my life because he is my enemy and wants to destroy me. And I'm not going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. I am going to trust God and the just shall live by faith. Romans 117 became my verse to live by. I have to just keep having faith in God. He's going to work something glorious out of this if I don't become bitter and if I trust him, even through the pain. Um, and and once I came to grips with that, I didn't struggle with it anymore. And I was able to face, even though it was hard, <laughs> it was still yes. a challenge yeah. um, because of you know, the bad effects of mental illness, but I knew God was good and God was working something glorious, not just in my life, but something glorious in my son's life.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Shelly, before we wrap up, we've got to ask, where can our audience find your book?
2: Okay, right now, the only place to buy it is in our Majesty Music bookstore in Greenville or online at um, majestymusic.com. And there is a picture of the book on the home page. You may have to scroll down a little bit, but if you click on that picture of Always Only Good, it will take you to exactly how you can purchase it. But it will eventually be on Amazon Books. I am in the process right now of recording an audio version of it for those who live out of state and really shipping the book is cost prohibitive. Um, so anyway, we are working on other ways that people around the world can get the book without having to have it shipped.
3: Yeah, we'll definitely put those links in our show notes.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. Okay.
3: Shelley, we're grateful for your willingness to speak out on physical and spiritual aspects of mental illness. Uh, your book gives us a well-written, wonderful Christian's perspective, and we pray the Lord continues to be glorified through you uh, thank you for sharing your time with us today.
2: It was my privilege. I appreciate you taking the time to interview me and, and share the share the book. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you, and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.